We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Danielle Bernau. He's a childhood trauma survivor, an international award-winning author, a speaker, a podcast host, and a trauma-informed faith-based coach. She helps men, women, and organizations emerge with a clear vision of their value, take ownership of their choices, and chart a path to the promise, becoming victorious souls, embracing the change from survive to thrive through the power of the love of God. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's awesome to have you here. So I know that you're known as that lady on the internet who loves you. Okay, so the love of God has empowered you to be in the place that you're in to share that with people. And yet you came from a area in life that would have been some struggle for you. So how did the love of God actually break through to you? Like, how did that become personal to you? Oh, I have a little audio book that shares some of that on my website. I give away free called Love is a Manifesto because love was the area I was wounded in the most. One of my traumas I went through happened at church and left me believing that God himself had thrown me away and didn't love me. Mm-hmm. And once he chased me down because he's faithful and just so patient and gracious as well. But once he apprehended me, that's the term I use in my book, when he caught up with me again and got my attention again, because I'd gotten saved as a little kid and baptized and all that, and then the church did that to me, which left me adding to all the other ones. I was just such a mess, and I didn't believe I was loved by anyone. So I went looking for love in all the wrong places, like we we know that song. (laughs) And I didn't find love in any of those places anyways, because... I really needed the love of God. I needed the love of God to heal my heart. He apprehended me, and my perception of him was so mangled that it took him 34 years to convince me that he loved me. 34 years that I struggled to believe that it was true, that he loved me, that he loved me when I was good, when I was bad, because I'd been taught that you have to earn the love of God. You have to behave a certain way. Mm. God loves you when, God loves you if, God loves you because of this. And there's all these quantifiers and qualifiers. And I was just so filled with fear all the time. But he's faithful and he fully convinced me. And I remember the morning that I had that aha moment in my heart 
put a little note in my phone, wrote it in there. I've had a new phone since then, so I don't have it anymore. But I put it in there with the day and the time and the revelation that God loves me because he loves me. (laughs) Because he chooses to love me. And the love of God is he loved me first. He loves me because it's who he is. He can't not love. And he did such a pervasive work of healing my heart of that feeling unloved. And right before the pandemic is when this whole lady on the internet kind of thing started because I felt the fear just coming into the world. It hadn't gotten global yet. I was still new in the whole area of being on videos and stuff like that. Mm. So I was getting my feet wet, trying to get more courage. And I just was stumbling my way through. And I'm very committed to authenticity and being genuine. So on my podcast and in my videos that I did, I left all the mistakes and I don't edit them out. So I want people to know you are loved for your imperfect self. You don't have to be. God doesn't love you because you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only God is perfect. And mm-hmm. he perfectly loves it. So I started telling people that they were loved and showing up and telling them that because people need to know that they're loved. The world is starving for love. That's why they have those songs, looking for love in all the wrong places. All you need is love because it's true. We're created in the image and likeness of God and God is love, the very fabric of our being is created out of love and it's no wonder love is so him changing that in my heart and how he went about that so pervasive to convince me of that that i am driven to help people to know that they are loved right there right now right at this moment don't have to do a thing but what love does is love loves you no matter what but love also does what's best for you. love sees your value but then love does what's best for you because there's things we do to hurt ourselves and that don't love ourselves, doing something to hurt ourselves. And so that's how the Lord showed me how to talk about what is love and what does it do? It sees your value and it does what's best for you. Yeah, there's so much truth in that. It just reminded me in First Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. All of those essences of love that embody God. He was patient with you as he's patient with me, with everybody. And we all struggle, I believe, to figure that out. And just the way you described it, it made me think that we have this head knowledge all about God. We can read the Bible. It says exactly how he is and what he does and how he chastens us because he loves us and all those different kinds of things. And there's so many testimonies of God's love and so on in the Bible. And we can read it day after day, and it'll be cemented permanently in our head. But what you're describing to me is that transition from your head to your heart and how it just opened up in your heart to become like a living, breathing, tangible presence of God. Would that be fair to say that? That's something like that. But I had a wound that was in the way of believing that. I chose to believe that God loved me for many years before I really believed it. And I was honest with God throughout the whole process, and he was just faithful to convince me. As you said, that people can read stuff in the Bible, but people hear things. People are taught things that are lies. They're taught lies about God. Their experience will lie to them. The enemy will whisper in their ear when they're going through something, and they don't know any better, so they believe lies about God. And when it gets cemented in our experience, it's part of our body, it's part of our emotions, it's part of our mind. And so it's a complex process for him to get it through our whole being so that we are fully convinced. The terminology that I use with that, because that's what he used to talk about, Abraham was fully convinced. But he wasn't fully convinced the first time God told him, 
I got set free from a problem with that because I had heard so much about Abraham and Abraham was this awesome person and God said this and he believed it and counted him as righteousness and all that stuff and I didn't. And so I was this small, awful thing and Abraham was this giant, wonderful thing. And I compared myself, but then I had a pastor share how God shared the promise with Abraham seven times, Mm. seven times, seven different ways that he convinced Abraham. God didn't say it just once and Abraham, oh, cool, I believe you, God. It was not (laughs) that simple for him either. And that set me free from that oppression of self. So God will convince you. If you want to be convinced, you who are listening, if you want to be convinced of the love of God, you ask him and he will do it. Whether it takes five minutes, five years, or 50 years, he will never give up. That's wholeheartedly the truth. And that honesty, you know, when you're talking with God, just like you and I are talking. That's how my conversations go with God. And it's been liberating because he's there. He's listening. He shows himself. He answers prayers. There's so many things that God does to prove his existence. And none of it is because of our merit or things that we have done. It's all just because he is. And that's his nature. And we aspire to be like him. Yeah. And he based everything on himself, all of his promises and covenants based on himself, and I see this differently now why I want to bring this up, because the beginning of my walk, I, I had that kind of mangled. It was like God did this only for himself and for his own pleasure, and it, he was this egotistical, heavy-handed thing, and it was mm. all for him, and he was the center, and you're this worm, and you're this piece of garbage. He tolerates you kind of thing, but that's not why he based it on himself. He based it on himself because he doesn't change. Mm-hmm. He based his righteousness on Jesus because we can't mess that up. He based it on something that we can't mess it up. It wasn't because he's this egotistical kind of thing. That's not his nature at all. The world has been fed such a crap about the character of God. And that's why people struggle talking to him too. We're afraid. I was terrified of God. I was absolutely terrified of God. When Even when I came back to him, I told a story in my first book, Emerging with Wings. I didn't do it physically, but emotionally, after I came back and said, "I Jesus, be Lord of me again, and all that stuff. Emotionally, I like put my hands over my head and ducked. I thought I was going to die <laughs> because I was just so awful and God was so righteous. And it was this huge, oppressive thing. And then I was like, wow, you didn't kill me. And I was just so shocked. <laughs> and I bring this up because there's people who believe things like this and their perception of God is so mangled and my heart is for those. Mm -hmm. I want Mm -hmm. them to know, and God will be so patient. You just give him thin thing like the hair on your head, just a little teeny weeny thing. There's a song that I had the lyrics to in my first book. Also, I got permission from Margaret Becker. I want to listen to it. God's not afraid of your honesty. There's a song called Honesty. Mm. And it's just, it's amazing if we do that and we will get a breakthrough quicker that way. But it's terrifying if you think God's... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because as you say, the perception that father figure that we have in the world can be good and be horrible and uh, shapes our consciousness because that's what we can tangibly see. And so that becomes difficult for a lot of people, for sure. So we've talked about deconstructing those traits of God that are correct, that are mistaken and so on, and eloquently talked about how God really is. So what in your mind are the dangers for people that can't resolve this? Whatever the trauma is in their life, it doesn't matter. There's all kinds of traumas. But what do you think the big risk is for them and the biggest barrier for stepping outside of that historical trauma in their life into that kind of relationship with God that they can really understand his love? 
what's their biggest obstacle to turn yeah. to God? Yeah. Fear. I would say fear, which is one of the reasons I'm out there with love, because love is what drives the fear out and mm-hmm. instills courage into people to dare. Another word I use a lot in my speaking, in my courses and counseling and coaching is the word dare. Because when we tell someone what to do, their initial response is pushback. Don't you tell me what to do. I don't tell people what to do. Nice. But I dare them to take a chance. I dare them to do stuff. Because when we dare someone, it perks them up and it pokes them in that thing. We're like, huh, maybe I'm going to do that. Then. It's like when you tell someone don't do something, they want to do the opposite. I'm trying to tap into that to dare to take a minute. Dare to ask God for help. Dare to believe that you have value. Dare to believe it's good. That's something that you want, dare. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of value in that for sure, because it is an unknown for a lot of people. Like Peter stepping out of the boat, Jesus said, come on out here in the water. I dare you to come out here in the water. (laughs) That was almost like what it was. You didn't say that exactly. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. I think that's a good, because we can trip over the culture like it was then. It's really hard to relate to sometimes because we have cars and we have phones and we are on computers and it wasn't like that back then. And it can be difficult to wrap our head around. Well, how was it? And so when we can modernize it in some way to help us get it a little bit better, And we're not putting words in Jesus. We're just trying to draw a picture where someone can imagine. Our imagination is a gift that God has given us. And if we can imagine that he's daring you to come to, I dare you to come and get saved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And figure that all out and enjoy the blessings of God. That's for sure. You talk about these four points that I read, and I think I understand them clearly, but there was one I really wanted to talk to you about. So you talk about emerging with a clear vision, and I understand the Bible says without a vision, people perish. So I get that. In my mind, I think that means we get a clear vision of who God really is and what his nature is, and that would help us to take those steps forward because we know that he's an accepting God. He will be there for us when we bow our knee to him and make him Lord of our life. I understand that. Actually, in that emerging with a clear vision on my website, it's emerging with a clear vision of your value. For a person to know their inherent value, we have value because God created us. No one can take that value away, but trauma strips a person of their sense of value. And so I am always trying to instill value and help people to have a clear vision of I matter, I have value, I have worth. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying that for me. I was a little bit off the mark, but that's okay. You talk about charting a path to their promise. I'm a big believer that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, that God creates each one of us for a purpose, for expanding his kingdom, for telling people about him, for whatever it is in the body of Christ that he lets us do. So how do you help people chart that path and how do you help them understand and find out what the promise is for their life? Well, that's a lot to get into. <laughs> okay, give me the Reader's Digest version. Oh, right. I'm, just, I'm tripping over that a little bit. One of the promises is Jesus came to give us life in that abundantly. And part of my thing is loving yourself from survive to thrive. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does it through trauma a whole lot. And so to get people to embrace the promise of you can live an abundant life, that doesn't mean life is perfect. That means that you can live an abundant life, God helping you through that and joining with him with what he's put in there. And it starts with you have to see your value that you do have a gift, that God does have something in there. What do you want? What are the things that you want to accomplish with your life? And part of my process with my coaching and that is my self-process 
see, expose, love, and free. And I take them through that process of how to get to where they want to go, starting with seeing where they are right now. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you're honest with yourself and you take inventory, if you want to look at it that way, of the good and the bad and the ugly and that kind of stuff. And when you think about in your initial perception of God and you compare that to your own inventory, there's always a gap always a gap. And so it's important, I agree with you, that we need to take that first step to evaluate ourselves and say, okay, God, take this mess and do something with it and take those first steps in faith, daring to take those first steps in faith. <laughs> yes. So you talk about your 4F media, faith, family, friends, and freedom. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. What made you focus on those four aspects of life? That was way at the beginning when I was publishing my first book and I created 4F Media to be the imprint for my book. And I thought about what were the four most important things to me at that time. Faith was first, faith, family, friends, and freedom. It's about what we believe, our family around us, the friends, relationships, and then freedom in so many different ways. Freedom of speech, freedom to be who you're called to be, freedom in Christ from sin and self-destruction. There's lots Mm -hmm. of things that freedom is for. I focused on that because those are four aspects that I knew that I could speak. Amen. That's great. And you talk about victorious souls. And uh, we talked a little bit about Jesus telling us that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Not always the easiest thing to walk with or in, depending on where we are in our walk with God and so on. But it's fact. He promised that to us and his promises are true and amen, right? Mm -hmm. The walking victoriously, how would you encourage people to understand what that really means? Because in a society that's driven a lot by performance, they may look at when I get X amount of dollars a year pay or I'm driving this kind of car or whatever. Those are very temporal things, right? But toward living victoriously as a soul, as someone who's pursuing God, what kind of measuring posts could you give them that are faith-based to help them along that way? We don't want to ever think we've arrived with God because it's a lifelong journey, right? We'll never be perfect till we get to heaven, in my opinion. So what would you encourage people to set as a, a place of victory? How would you help them understand what victory really means in their life in a tangible way? Well, I have a a nice, concise way to answer that because victorious souls have four values and they spell the word love. And the first core value is love and honor centric. That being the center of your focus, love and honor. If you can live a life of love and honor, you're living a life of victory over a lot of things. Mm -hmm. The O stands for ownership, taking ownership of your life, taking ownership of your emotions, taking ownership of your spiritual walk, taking ownership. And I talk about how ownership is different than responsibility because responsibility, someone can put that on you. And sometimes responsibility can be oppressive. It's not always, but it can be. But ownership is something that a person takes upon themselves. When someone owns something, then they protect it. They will guard it. They will go after it. So love and honor centric ownership. V is for Victor, having a victorious mentality. A victor mentality of thinking positively, thinking with the scriptures, thinking of solution-mindedness and victorious-mindedness, and it's the, how you think in your mind. So being a victor in your mind, and then it comes out into your life. And then the E is for esteem, and that's right. about your value. Esteeming your value, seeing the value, your God-given value. If you put all of those together and it sounds nice and simple, L-O-V-E, but it's yeah. a lot of work, it's but it's worth work, the work. Yeah. And if you can do these four things, we live in a victorious life in some measure. 
And it's increasing. Like you said, it's an ongoing. Amen. So people want to find out more about what you can offer them, your books and so on. And I will put a link to your free ebook in the description of the show. So where would they go? To my website, daniellebrunock.com. It's D-A-N-I-E-L-E-B-E-R-N-O-C-K.com. Perfect. Okay. So one last question. What's the one thing you would tell people about God? One, he loves you. People hear that a lot. So it seems very trite. I know. God is safe. God loves you and he is a safe place to run. I've been told that God was not safe and it made me terrified of him. And there are plenty of scriptures in there that talk about God being our strong tower and our safe place and our hiding place. And God is a safe place. Life on planet Earth isn't always safe. We have trouble. Like Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. But God's not the one dishing it out. Amen. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'm really encouraged by uh, everything you had to say, as I'm sure our audience is too. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's just fun. Okay, God bless.
said to me, you give a greater grace than I ever could imagine. Humbled, I surrender my pride. You give a greater grace than I ever could imagine. I'm a wash in heaven's tide. I stand humble. I stand humble. Humble in your presence. I stand humble. I stand humble. Humble in your presence, Lord. the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.